Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... For me, it's very simple. If you go to the grassroots, talk to the people, talk to the people you're helping, talk to others who are helping them, and that's how you best find out what needs to be done. There's no point going on Google and searching what cows eat. Is actually got to talk to a farmer and a supplier and then marry them two up. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 392 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about sharing stories and highlighting some great positive social impact and entrepreneurship stories globally. Today, we're speaking with Amada Singh. Amada Singh believes that helping others should not be limited by religion, language, or cultural background. Amada founded a charity after experiencing racial slurs and insults because of his sick turban and beard. He wanted to show people they didn't need to be afraid and began helping struggling Australians. Every week, Turbans for Australia package and distribute up to 450 food and grocery hampers to people experiencing food insecurity in Western Sydney. They also raise awareness and funds for important causes whilst promoting multiculturalism and religious tolerance. But the organisation is best known around Australia since its founding in 2015 for transporting emergency goods to those in need. So on today's podcast, we'll learn a lot from Amada's experience in setting up the charity and the work that they've been doing at Turbans for Australia nationally. Amada, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, mate. It's great to be here, Tom. Amada, kicking things off, could you please share a little bit more about your background and what it was that led to this work in the social impact space? I mean, long story, I arrived in Australia as a 15-year-old back in 98. I did more high school here, then went on to do other studies and got into work and business. Yep. There's always that one little pain that I had in the back of my heart. There is something that we need to do about fitting into society, about the expectations of the society of a migrant person from an ethnic background Yes. and how we can feel at home. Yeah. Because every migrant will attest to this. The first couple of years, you're always just comparing things here back to your country that you came from to yeah. say, hey, this was better there, this is better here. You still have that strong bonding and somewhere that guilt that you don't let go of your home. But then one stage you roll over and you go, look, this is life now. I'm settled here. This is my home and this is where I'm going to be. Yes. And that's when you really start to feel the difference when people still don't treat you the way they should as they do with everyone else. Yes. So that ticked off few racist encounters that I had and I wanted to change the story and the narrative to say hey you can't judge a book by its cover my son who's 10 now he might grow up to be a practicing Sikh having a beard and a turban and he's born right here in Sydney what is it going to like for him people are going to say go back home mm. this is home for him yes so it was a very personal story for me but I wanted to change it through charity volunteer work and that's how we started pretty much 
Tell us more than Amada, because you are the founder and CEO, as I mentioned earlier, of Turbans for Australia. So can you please share a bit more about this charity, its purpose, and the impact that it's generating? Turbans for Australia started as a very small charity doing aid relief, getting involved in small events just to volunteer, namely like City to Surf or Cancer Council Relay for Life, just to rally the troops. And then we heard about the drought in New South Wales back in 2015. I thought, like, something's got to be done about this. So that's when we started and packed the first van of groceries mm. that we took out to Dubbo, and it was an eye-opener. Go, oh, my God, these people really do struggle. Yes. Everything that we take for granted, it's a struggle for them. Yeah. I remember the chaplain from Salvos shared a story where he said, you know, it's scary that people take everything for granted because when we leave a bag of goodies at a farmer's place, they don't, knock it back because it's just a silent code. Yes. But he goes, I've never seen kids being so excited about a toothbrush. Being that in the metropolitan areas, we walk past, don't pay attention to it, it's 10 cents or whatever it is, a dollar. But that's the cost of happiness in regional areas. So that's what really got us thinking, okay, let's do something different and see how we as city dwellers can help the regional Australians because they do really suffer in those calamities. And yes. then we went on to do our next project, which was a hay running out to Canable taking hay for the animals. So tell us a bit more about that project. It was, again, to help the farmers. When you go on the ground, you get to hear the stories from people. Yeah. And you go, wow, this is something to do. So we had to fundraise and get the trucks together, look at what hay they needed, what kind, because there's different kinds of hay. And then finally we worked out that process that we set up a farm day where we took about seven trucks of hay that went out to a lot of the small farmers that were uh, rescuing animals at hobby farms and other things. It's it just people generally struggling. When we got there, the best experience was we had a couple of people from our community that had just recently arrived. They said, oh, you know, we'll come for a drive. And a very powerful thing, one of the guys said, he goes, oh, I thought Australians were racist. Wow. These people were receiving us with open arms in a town sort of 800 k's away from Sydney. I thought Australians were racist. I said, no, they're not. There's idiots in every community, including yeah. my own. But people generally want to shake your hand when you extend it. We'll smile back once you smile. Yeah. And that's what this is, exercise is about. It's a two-way exercise where we're educating the mainstream population about ethnic communities and migrant communities like ours, but also people from our own communities to say, hey, Australia is not a racist country. Australia is a place to be in, a yes. country you can call home, because if it wasn't the case that they didn't want you here, they wouldn't allow you to come here. Simple. Yeah. But, but there are some issues that we need to iron out in our society, and that's only fair that with time it will lessen the blow or lessen the impact and we just need to work towards that goal yes yeah yes some great messages there amar and look your work amar has been recognized with an a range of awards including you're the australian of the year local hero so congratulations on this recent recognition it was a huge surprise even to be the finalist in new south Wales, i was over the moon i was like wow i'm a finalist yeah. Out of the whole state, I'm one of the four people that somebody thought I was worthy of being a finalist and then actually winning the state one and then go on to win the national award on Australia Day. It is a dream come true. Yes. I didn't know what a dream was until I got nominated and got through the process like, wow, this is so big. Yes. Because you don't understand that once you win the state one, then you actually go into the national one. So it was a huge honor coming from a person who got their citizenship back in the 2000s and now being at that ceremony, welcoming other new Australians into the country with the promise 
took with the idea from the governor general it was absolutely a dream come to it was like being a kid in a candy shop yeah i'm sure it's a great recognition of the work that you've been doing ahmad and look you've also been an amp foundation tomorrow maker as well so i'm keen to hear from both from the work and recognition as an australian of the year as well as getting support such as that of the tomorrow maker program tell us a bit more about what you've learnt in this and what you've gained from the support that you've received with this program too one thing as a small charity as you're trying to grow is being your wings because this started as a passion and i clearly had no idea that we're going to end up one day being australian of the year being all over media and being so big that i never dreamt of so getting this grant and pats on the back along the way is a huge boost to your confidence and your existence because you think wow people actually appreciate what we do for them to recognize us i remember going into the amp i got called into the pitch day and i actually took some display with me of a food hamper and that's what the energy was to say we need funding to be able to transport goods out to the regional areas because you can pick up one liter of milk but if it's one ton of milk you can't pick it up you need a truck that really showed people the extent of what we do and the capacity and the volume but also to mingle with so many like-minded people there and being able to, you could say, probably let your hair down for the day yeah. and learn off others and go, wow, this is what's working for the other charity. This is what's working for us. And basically just networking. It was just really great to be part of that. It's great learnings there. And so as a charity founder yourself, Ahmad, you've got this vast experience now. What actionable steps and key learnings can you share with other change makers who are looking to grow their own impact? I think one of the key things that I always follow is follow your heart and your passion. Just because it's working for another group or another charity doesn't mean it's going to work for you. What your vision is and what your project is pretty unique to you because remember, you're the one that thought of doing that. You have to, in your own mind and in your own way, convince yourself that this is doable. For example, the Hayron we did. I never knew what hay was, how to buy it, what sort of hay we need. But hey, I wanted to help. And then you got researching. For me, it's very simple. If you go to the grassroots, talk to the people, talk to the people you're helping, talk to others who are helping them. And that's how you best find out what needs to be done. There's no point going on Google and searching what cows eat. Is actually got to talk to a farmer and a supplier and then marry them two up. Yeah. So for me, that practical exercise and learning from people in the trade and also seeking genuine guidance from mm. others and not be ashamed to ask a question. Yes, it's some fantastic advice. And so you've spoken a little bit, Amart, about this migrant and refugee space and some of these challenges that you really experienced when coming to Australia many years ago now. What are some of these other challenges and opportunities that you see at this time to tackle some of these problems and whether these are social problems or other environmental problems, what are you seeing on the ground? Look, on the ground is very different. I thought coming out of COVID lockdowns, we're just going to be back to normal life. But it seems like cost of living has dealt another blow to all of us. Yes. And many people who never before asked for help are asking for help now. Yes. But what other issue that I see is how people can deal with this and what the best way is to get out of this situation. But in terms of the migrant experience, I want to take you back. You know, when we first landed to this country, we were committed in a lot of things, trying to make a life for ourselves, trying to finish our studies, trying to find the right job to pay the bill. For me, at one stage, it came to the thing where I had to make peace go. 
I'm going to put my business and my personal growth on hold to follow my passion. And that's the hardest thing to do. I'm only tip of the iceberg, I would say, when it comes to skills and the manpower and, and the attributes that we have in the migrant communities. It's just breaking away from that vicious cycle of weekly builds and other things in life. Yeah. You, to get to go, I'm going to follow my passion. But in the second generation migrants, you will see that happen. I see it happening in our community. A lot of the young kids are actually getting a job in what they're passionate about, not what pays the most dollars. Yeah. But say, this is going to get me to be able to put down a deposit for a house or buy a new car or pay for my kids. So they are following those passion roles and it's good for them. That's fantastic to hear. And absolutely that deep why and that deep purpose behind the work life journey is just so important what other inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently Amar that is creating some great positive social or environmental change I think it's just our food program at the moment and having the charity logistics the trucks that we have it's a huge new growth for our charity because we've always been around transporting stuff out to regional so it was only fair us the natural growth progression that we have our own vehicles where we can pick up stuff and rescue product that might be going to landfill and repurpose it, send it out to the communities in need. But for us, it's been great in many ways. I wouldn't say many challenges, apart from the usual funding, trying to find the money to do the things that you want to do. Yes. But of course, whenever I ring a person, be it another charity, I've had the most amazing experience because that's how we work. When we go to some of these regional towns, we don't just go there and go, oh, mate, move away. We're here. We're going to take over the town. Yeah. We actually find local partners who know their community, who know what's needed, and then we actually hand over our goods to them to say, hey, you need to distribute it locally. In my journey, I have come across so many wonderful, kind, compassionate, and just human beings who are ready to help. Yeah. And that's been our co-strength is counting on that human skill and the soul of the mission. Yeah. It's a great point. It's a really good point. I think it speaks to the power of partnerships as well, right? And place-based initiatives. That's right, yeah. And so to finish off then, Amar, what books or resources or podcasts would you be recommending to our listeners? Yeah, great. I'd say everyone should listen to Impact Boom, (laughs) right? (laughs) But I do personally believe in listening to a lot of positive stuff in your life, be it reading, be it listening be it just online videos because if you're positive if you're happy inside you will actually look at the world in a different way it's sometimes the sort of music you listen to in the morning shapes your day yeah if you listen to heavy metal you're always in a rush if you listen to something calm and soothing you're like okay let's just take it easy let's not get mad on the road just because somebody's cut you off or whatever yeah so for me it's about again see what I can use immediately from that listening, reading. I, you know, I hardly get time to sit down and read books. I would love to. But I just basically listen to a lot of social influencers who are talking about positivity and how we can change the world. I take away messages from them, even though they might be talking about something slightly off topic. But that's the moment it actually tickled your mind to go, oh, the Eureka moment to go, I can actually do this in a different way. But for me, learning and Getting my energy, it means different things at different times. Mm, That makes complete sense. And look, I think that message of seeking out the positive and choosing how you start your day is a great 
message for us to end on, Ahmad, and you yourself are obviously a, a great model for positivity and proactivity in community. So thank you so much for all your really generous insights and time today. Well done again on the recognition you're receiving and the work you're doing with Turbans for Australia, and we'll look forward to following your journey down the track. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate this, and I think media has been a really incredible part of my journey as well. Because if it wasn't for media, be it from the mainstream to podcast to online reading, a lot of people wouldn't know our story, and we wouldn't be able to share our story and our passion. So I think media has a huge part to play in terms of how we can share the society. And I just have a simple motto in life: is either you win or you learn. You don't lose, no matter what. Even if you get something wrong, you're going to learn from that. Yes. So it's not like you just go, I lost and I'm going to give up today. So I want everyone to try, take ownership of their communities, get involved. Get involved in anything you can with the time that you have. Just volunteer and make the world a better place. It's a great message to end on, Amar. Thank you again. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate this, mate. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.